is all about taking action. Journey of a thousand miles starts with the first thought of your journey. You know, a lot of people say it's with the first step. That's the action component, but you got to plan where you're going first. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we are going to have a great interview with a guest I cannot wait to share with you today. We're going to be talking with Leo Hefner. He is an ethical business expert and co-founder of Mastermind Association. He's recently been featured in the national bestseller, Wealth Made Easy with Dr. Greg Reed. And although his background is a real estate entrepreneur, his talks center around inspiring people to create not only loads of business wealth, but community social impact as well. He is refurbishing lower income neighborhoods in the Midwest while creating awesome returns for his corporate investors. And as a co-founder of the Mastermind Association, he can dive deep on mindset, self-dialogue, and the power of it intention. And we're going to talk about all those things. Leo, welcome to the show. It is great to have you on The Daily Helping. Thank you, Dr. Richard. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. I have to ask, there's just no way I can start this podcast without asking any relationship to Hugh Hefner. (laughs) Yes, but not close enough to to do any good. (laughs) (laughs) So you've not... How are you guys related? Uh, you know, it's, he's like a fifth or a sixth cousin. Our, our family split back in Germany way back years, generations ago. Okay. So you've never been to the mansion. I didn't say that. (laughs) Well, this, this is a, uh, a PG rated show. So we probably should table that right there, but, but in all seriousness, it, it is great to have you on. I know that you had tremendous success in the finance and real estate world. And I I certainly want to get there. But before we do, I'd love to talk to my guests about, you know, what are some of the events that really inspire them in their lives to to put them on the path that they're on right now? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I reflect back to when I was younger, I had the opportunity to more or less have a walkabout. And I don't talk about it very much. But, um, you know, my mom died when I was young. I had gotten divorced when I was young and I, I just kind of mentally spun out and I ended up, you know, living on the South end of the big Island in uh, a little fishing village for a couple of years. And, you know, I was trading work for living in a house on the beach and there were, there were times, I mean, I didn't have food. I had to go jump in the water and go shoot fish. And I'd come back sometimes there'd be a, a bag of oranges because one of the old Hawaiian guys down the village didn't want the skinny little white guy in the, in the subdivision to, Get scurvy or something, and uh, you know it was it was interesting because it gave me an opportunity to reflect on my life, who I was as as a young man. I was what twenty twenty three at the time, and uh, you know it was it was it was very important for me to become who I am today. 
I got to shed all the, you know, the expectations of who I was supposed to be from parents and outside influences and just be me, be one with the world. And that was powerful. That was probably one of the most powerful times in, in my life. And, you know, really gave me a clarity on just how to be a man, a good person. It's, it's so interesting. I mean, I certainly can't relate to having to spearfish for my food. Uh, so, I mean, uh, as a teenager, that must have been incredibly intense and scary and probably a little rewarding at the same time because you that sense of satisfaction of you know overcoming that and not being a victim. Talk to us about how that experience helped shape you with your work in the corporate world and, and particularly in real estate because I know you've made such a tremendous impact there. Well, I think one of the biggest things that came out of there is is you know self confidence and the not really needing other people's approval to be who I was, and you know going into the corporate world, it made me really not hireable in the corporate in the corporate environment. I mean because I was too blunt, I wasn't PC enough. I said what was on my mind. People didn't like that, you know in in corporate America, it's like there's a fine line that you have to walk and I wasn't prepared to walk it. So I got into a few corporate jobs and I don't think any of them lasted longer than a year. So I was more destined to be an entrepreneur and be, you know, work in other industries that, I mean, where I had to use my hands and, you know, I was in construction. I was, uh, I was in auto repair. I spent almost 18 years fixing cars. I was a diagnostician and you know, electrical guy and drivability. And, but the whole time I was still doing real estate. So, so that was going to be my next question. How, and you teased it. How, how did you transition from being an auto mechanic to building a, a massive real estate portfolio? Well, my folks, when I was growing up, were both in real estate. They were, uh, they were big producers over on, on Kauai, which doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we grew up wealthy. We grew up, I grew up just, like the rest of the kids. I mean, it was plantation home. There was, you know, louver windows, drafts. It was, you know, by no means it was a, uh, a, a wealthy existence, uh, but it wasn't poor either. It was, it was very rich in experiences. But what I did notice is that a lot of my dad's clients that were coming over buying these big multi-million dollar properties, they all had some sort of degree in business and economics and were, making their money in real estate. So that was something that I was never prepared to really leave behind. So I got my real estate license when I was 18, when I was going to college over you know, in, in uh, University of Hawaii and uh, never did anything with it. Came to California, was doing construction. Wasn't really going anywhere. My mom nudged me into you know, auto mechanics and getting a degree there. So I got a degree in automotive technologies. And... Uh, uh, floated back in and out of real estate as like a buyer for uh, tax sales and you know bird dogging and wholesaling and just not really doing a whole lot in real estate, a lot less than I could have been. But um, when I got out of the automotive industry, you know, I I was um, I was flying to Chicago to go see a buddy of mine, and I was sitting between two guys, and one guy was a loss mitigation manager for a bank, and the other guy was a facilities manager for the same bank. And at that time, I had my NMLS license and I was doing uh, mortgages and was starting to do some private lending. And uh, these guys had an REO portfolio of, of seven houses. So I went and 
took a look at all the houses and checked it out, met with them and, you know, figured out how to buy them. But we'll come back to that story in a minute, right? Because that's, that's a whole other story in itself, which, which has a message in it. But that's actually kind of where the start of the current, uh, of what I do currently is, is being able to buy a portfolio from those guys on just a random meeting and then being able to, to go back and take action and find money to buy those. We don't, and, and I am looking forward to the, the conclusion of that story. So we'll, we'll leave it on a cliffhanger for now. Uh, we don't do a ton of real estate talk on this show, but I, you know, I know a number of people who, you know, have that position of that it's, if you really want to make money, one of the best ways to do it is, is real estate. And, you know, there's always this talk in the, in the media about, you know, the, this crash is coming and what that's going to mean. So for somebody listening to this and they have never invested in real estate commercially, uh, talk to us about how do you get started in that? And then I definitely want to talk about, you know, what the media says about the, a potential crash in that sector and what that would mean. Okay. You know, for people to get into real estate, it's, uh, it really depends on where they want to play. You know, most of the people that, that I, that I work with are, you know, they're, they're busy professionals they're doctors or attorneys. They're, you know, they're, they're in the C-suite, they're CEOs, CFOs. They don't have time to go and build real estate wealth because you know, you, the, the biggest thing is nobody wants to deal with tenants and toilets, right? And get the middle of the night phone call of my toilet's plugged. What am I going to do? So we handle that for them. You know, we go out and we find these, these great real estate deals and we pick those up. So, I mean, people can get in without actually getting their hands dirty, which is important for people to know. And, and you know, in this day and age, when money sitting in the bank's earning, what, a quarter of a percent? And 401ks might be doing okay right now, but as soon as the stock market turns, I mean, people's self, their, their retirement accounts are going to, they're going to tank. And a lot of people don't even know that they can take their, their IRAs and they can turn them into a self-directed and they can actually manage them themselves, which is where a lot of the funds that we, that, that we invest come from. Yeah, I, I certainly recall a lot of stories, you know, circa 2007, 2008, when we had, our last big economic downturn, and, and there was always the, these examples of people who wanted to retire and thought they were going to retire around that time, and you know their their retirement savings were absolutely wiped out. Well, yeah, it's um, that happened actually to one of my family members. You know, he had sold a house over on Kauai and uh, had his whole retirement in the stock market. It was going great, like it is now, and you know, in a matter of no time. And fell off the cliff. He lost it. He stayed in because it was going to rebound because that's what happens. And it didn't, you know, and the money that was supposed to last him a lifetime didn't even make 10 years. So, you know, I, I, that was a big motivation on creating the fund is we're debt free. We don't have no leverage. There's no liens. There's no liabilities. You know, we tried to create a, a, a risk reduction roadmap to be able, people to be able to put their money somewhere and not risk it in the next in the next downturn. I like that. You know, I, as you're sitting here talking, I just want to let people who are listening to this in the car, I, you know, we're an animal friendly show, and I think that the the birds are really agreeing with what you're talking about because I can hear <laughs> I can hear they're really going going wild where you're at. But in all seriousness, I want I want to jump back to you know this talk about a potential crash because you know that, you know that sounds sensational, but but Leo, talk to us about 
what that would mean, how likely that is. If you think it's going to happen, put on your uh, magic hat and your pull out your crystal ball and tell us, you know, what you, when that might happen. So, if you look through history, history has a tendency to repeat itself. And if you look at the economy and you see the the peaks and valleys of how the stock market ebbs and flows, and traditionally it's it gives you a seven and ten years. You know, where you're you know, seven down, you're ten up, and that's that's happened for decades. And you know, people tend to forget that cycles are the frequency of how cycles happen can be you know, multiple times in a lifetime. It could be once in a lifetime. It could be generational. It just depends on how we pay attention to what's going on around us. Well, you know, humans are are creatures of habit, and the finance world, the stock market, it really follows the it follows cycles as well. And right now, we are on the longest up run in recorded history. It's I I, I firmly believe. So do a lot of other people that you know, with the interest rates as low as they are, they're keeping the economy artificially tightened up and nothing's going to happen until after the presidential election. Then all bets are off. No, I was going to ask, okay, so, you know, the presidential election is in 2020. So what do you think, you know, what what would be some of the factors post-election, regardless of who wins, you know, we don't want to get political, but regardless of who wins, uh, that could lead to a downturn. Well, it could. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm by no means, a you know, a, an economics expert, whether on the macro or micro scale. Um, but you know, it's the fed has the ability to keep things running artificially until there's too much outside global finance pressures and things just start falling apart. And, uh, there, there's talk that we'll be in a negative interest economy, just like Germany just went into a negative interest economy. Japan's been in a negative interest economy for years. The whole global market is slowing down. And, you know, with the coronavirus doing its thing in China, that's slowing all that. People can't go to work. So there's, there's products that aren't being made over there. It's going to kill their economy. And there's just a matter of time in the, in the way the global economies work now. Or we're not going to feel that. I mean, we we will feel that. So there's no way we're not to. They're not. Presume, to. Let, let's you know, and we we try and be positive on this show, of course. But let let's presume that that happens. So let's presume that there is uh, an economic downturn in 2020, 2021, what have you. How does that impact somebody who you know you got all excited about you know investing in real estate funds and all that? So what what does that do to that? So. It depends on who that person is and how they leverage debt. You know, I mean, there's there's a gentleman I met a couple of years ago who had 997 houses in Las Vegas. He lost every single one of them between 2008 and 2010. I mean, that's a house or two a day, Monday through Friday for two years because he was carrying too much debt. And as the dominoes fell, he couldn't maintain any of the other houses and lost every single house. It's crazy. But, you know, the banks, they don't make money unless they're loaning money. So they need to make loans. They need to put people in debt so that the banks can make money, so their shareholders can make money. And the liar loans that, that, that created the last problem are back. They've been back for a couple of years now. You can walk in and get a loan and say, well, I make $800,000 a year. And they're like, great, sign here. And whether you can afford it or not, 
So people just need to be educated on, on how to leverage debt and how to mitigate risk because that's really what it's about. You know, not saying you have to be super conservative, but you know, you have your pool of money that you're willing to, to risk for the big reward. Then you have your other pool of money that you're not willing to risk. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. So that's when you when you're saying mitigate risk, that's what you're talking about being, you know, having some investments that are safer than others versus Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, like I wouldn't expect any one person to put their whole investment portfolio with me. I'm a diversification in their portfolio. You know, I just want the part that they're not willing to lose come the next correction. Because people are making a ton of money in the stock market right now, and I can't blame them. Make it. But be smart and make sure you pull it out before you lose it all. Okay. That makes sense. And I, I want to shift gears a little bit because I know you're doing it. You're in another space, as we alluded to, you're in the mastermind space. And I know that's so important to you, as is social impact. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. And I, I want to talk about you know what what made you want to create that mastermind association. So it's interesting. So I've only been introduced to the mastermind groups in the last couple of years since I became friends with Greg Reed, and it was it was a very foreign concept to me. Even though I had I had read you know some of Napoleon Hill's books and I I had heard the word, I had never been part of one to see how that could actually help change people's lives. So when Greg was compiling a group of uh, founders for the Mastermind Association, you know, I was, you know, he tapped me as being one of those that could help add value and help people create these masterminds and learn how to utilize them to go faster, farther, quicker in their life, whether it's in business or personal. And there's been such a the mastermind has been so such an abused word, you know, nowadays where you go to seminars, they're a sell and tell, they're a mastermind, or you're going to a mastermind where there's 300 people. That doesn't create the third mind that Napoleon Hill talks about. That's, that's part of the group being able to just help people. That's a seminar. You're going to show up and people are going to tell you something. They're going to sell you something and you may learn stuff, but that doesn't really work on you. The whole idea of the mastermind is, is you, Dr. Richard. You have knowledge, experience, training, life that has happened to you. And you have knowledge locked up in your head that you may not necessarily know that anybody else around you needs. What's common knowledge to you is not common knowledge to me or you know your wife or your buddy down the road or the dude at the car wash. And if you can get into that type of a group and people can be up and be vulnerable and say, I'm having an issue with, I don't know, finding, getting on good podcasts with good people like you, you know, and 
you're like, hey, I know how to do that. So you can go through and everybody around can be share their knowledge and, and their experiences with that person to help them move to the next level instead of having to figure it out on their own. There's a lot of wheels out there that don't need to be refigured out how to make. It, it resonates very strongly with me. And actually, we just recently had on the show, uh, Ben gave a third, who was the last living protege of Napoleon Hill. So uh, timely that, that you would bring that up. So uh, is your mastermind uh, association that, that you guys have created, is this something that anybody can join? Are there particular criteria? What What's the baseline for getting involved? So the mastermind association, anybody can join. But really what its goal is, is to... It essentially teach people how to create and run a mastermind in a set format that is truly a mastermind. It's where you can become a certified mastermind leader and lead them in such a way where they are not a a seminar. And so when people come to your mastermind, they can you can get a little logo that goes on on your website or whatnot that essentially lets them know that this is a mastermind that is based around the teachings of Napoleon Hill and will operate the same way. It's a very neat platform. And how many people are involved in this right now? Well, there's 12 founders. We have some other people like uh, Dave Corbin, who are some of the the chancellors, and uh, uh, Brian Smith, the guy who created Ugg Boots, uh, Greg Reed, uh, Frank Shankowitz from Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I know that we're we're continuing to add other chancellors that people who are part of the Mastermind Association would have access to, to even be able to come in either through a Zoom or in person to come into some of those masterminds and add value. I love that. And so how do people get involved with that? They can go to the mastermindassociation.com and uh, you know they can sign up there. Uh, they can reach out to me and I can send them an invitation link because there is a little bit of an interview process. You know, we want to make sure that pe- the people that are coming in are are really have it true in their heart that they really want to help people and want to run a mastermind association the way they're supposed to. And, and, and I want to segue there a little bit because I know that social impact is something that's so important to you in the work that you do. Talk to Absolutely. us about so, some of the things you're doing in that realm. So it's interesting. It's uh. I'm going to I'm going to kind of jump back to real estate real quick because was, there was an epiphany um, a year or so ago that because we we buy low income properties in more impoverished areas we tend to buy a lot of properties from people who don't really care about their tenants or care about the houses they're just there for the cash and uh, as we come in and we rehab these houses and we're making these places nice places for you know people to raise their families just because they're poured on welfare or section eight doesn't mean that they should, they should have to live in a hovel. So we were driving through, uh, driving through South Bend, Indiana at this point, we were driving through and we were looking around and, you know, one of the guys I was driving with was like, well, you own a lot of houses on this block. And I had to stop and reflect. I'm like, well, yeah, we do actually. We started looking around and our houses were noticeably nicer. And, you know, we have very low turnover in an area that typically has quite a bit of turnover. And it was really, it was interesting to see that because as as I go back and I talk to our tenants, they're happy there. And I I just, it's, it's being able to go back and give back to the community and, and, you know, help the kids and help the people and let them know that there are people that own these places that still do care. It's not just about the money. I mean, you have to make investors happy, but you don't, 
there's enough money to go around in this world that everybody can win. Are there any particular stories that really resonate with you uh, in the work that you've done about how you've made an impact in some of these communities? Yeah, but not not so much directly. You know, it's just kind of more of more of an incident. I was I was I was negotiating. Now, there's a little bit of a story here. Can I go in on it? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. So, I was looking through Craigslist looking for houses, and I found one that uh, somebody wanted. I don't know. I think it was like thirty-five or forty thousand for. So. I went and met the guy at the house and he, he kicks open the door and says, go ahead and go take a look around. And I'm like, you're not going to show me around. He's like, I'm not going in there. I poked my head in and the walls are crawling with the amount of cockroaches that are all over the walls. Thoroughly disgusting. And trash was like piled up all around the house. There were just little pathways where you could walk through. Even the basement was filled all the way to the, to the top step, which is trash and junk. And I came out, I was like, wow, this is, this is horrible. I'm like, dude, you're going to have to pay me a couple grand. Just take it off your hands. He's like, well, I'll, I'll give it to you for two. I didn't really understand what he meant. So I'm like, I don't know. Do you have any other houses that you want to sell? He's like, no. He's like, yeah, I got one. So we drive over to this other house and, you know, it was a family been living there for like 10 years and he wanted 35 or 40 for that one. And just kind of how, how I do business is, is I buy cash flow. So it doesn't really matter what someone's asking. I just know how much I'm willing to pay for the amount of cash flows coming out of the houses. So while we're outside, you know, haggling on that, some little kid rides by and, you know, their, their training wheels all broke down and bent. So, you know, I'm like, Hey, let me fix that. So I fix their training wheel and they go riding off and someone else comes by and they're the next little kid. I mean, their, their steering wheel on the bike was crooked. So I straightened it out. Meanwhile, I'm negotiating with this guy on the front sidewalk. And, you know, by the time we got done negotiating an hour or so later, I'd fix like four or five little kids' bikes, you know, just simple things. Right. And, uh, so we, we made a deal. I ended up buying both houses for $22,500 and, uh, we, he left and I was going to meet him at, at, at his office to go and sign the paperwork. And there was an old lady across the street and she yells at me like, Hey, so I walk across the street. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, I watched you fix all those little kids' bikes. Why'd you do that? I'm like, I don't know, because they're little kids and they're riding bikes. And why not? And it was a predominantly you know, black neighborhood. And I guess they're in the South is 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 interesting. And I've I've had I got some very interesting stories that have just kind of happened there. But you know, since then I've realized that in certain places, that that kind of thing just doesn't happen. And it was it you know it took some other conversations with other people to realize it because I mean I didn't think of it as a big deal, but she was very kind of awestruck that I was helping these little kids with their bikes. And I don't know it's 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 there's been a lot of little episodes like that that have been educational and and they just touch my heart. It's beautiful. It's and and it goes to show you know as one of one of the the things we talk about on the show our call to action is to commit acts of kindness because you never know uh, what to you might be the most insignificant thing like you know for you just straightening straightening a training wheel or you know you might open the door for somebody or help somebody pull their luggage down from an overhead compartment you never know how that's going to impact somebody so thank you for sharing that story I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, I got into this whole business because, you know, I like helping people and, you know, and I want to, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I like helping people. 
and it, it, it transcends, you know, color, nationality. It's just people are people. Amen. I, I love that. And I, I, you know, we're, we're short on time, Leo, but I, I know that you're very well known for expertise on, you know, mindset. And I, I just want to spend a little bit of time there and pick your brain because it's, yeah. it's so important. So, you know, in a, in a few minutes, talk to us about why having a particular mindset is so crucial and then give us some, some actionable, tangible things that people can do to start improving that. Talk about a loaded question, right? You're it's not at all. In fact, you said it. You know, the biggest thing, the biggest thing is action. You know, and, and one of the things, and you know, I'll probably repeat it again later, is knowledge without action is nothing. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't take action on any of it, you know nothing. And you know, I've been through I know people that have gone through all the uh, the Robert Kiyosaki seminars, spent fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars on there, and they go to other seminars, learn how to do real estate, and spend you know fifty, hundred thousand dollars there. There is such a small percentage of people that actually go out and take action on the knowledge. So to go back to that, uh, Greg Reed's book, Wealth Made Easy. So I was featured in there, really. From a conversation I was having with with Greg, which was, you know, I was talking to some guys that who were working the sound at a at a private lending group, and I'm like, wow, this is really good stuff. I'm like, so you guys, you guys must have a bunch of loans out. You're doing private lending. I mean, you're doing this right. And they're like, no. I'm like, well, why not? What's the, what's the hitch? Where's where's the problem? What do you know that I don't know? We just do the sound. We don't actually listen to what's going on. People are in this room paying $100,000 to get here to learn this. And for you, it's a $10 an hour job. Crazy. I mean, they're getting an education, but don't really understand they're getting that education. So, you know, it's, it's every day you have to get up and take action. You got to knock the hard things off your list before you get to the easy thing. Because once the hard thing's done, everything else is easy, right? So yeah, it's it's that's really where I go with it is is all about taking action. Journey of a thousand miles starts with the first thought of your journey. You know, a lot of people say it's with the first step. That's the action component, but you got to plan where you're going first. That's an interesting metaphor because everybody talks about that, right? The first, the journey of a thousand miles is the first step, but you framed it a little differently, and I and I like that. So so thank you for dropping that little pearl on us towards the end here. Uh, Leo, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and the birds today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's because they're staring at my bagel here on the table. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this has been, this has been really great. Uh, and as you know, I, I wrap up every episode by asking my guests one question, and that is, what is your biggest helping, the single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? So... I know you even prepped me for this, but my pearl of wisdom that I was going to drop, I've already dropped. So I got to come up with another one. <laughs> I would like to keep you on your toes. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. You know, it's, it's, I, I like how you tell everyone to go out and, and just do a random act of kindness. Do something to help somebody today because it will help you later. You know, I can piggyback on that is do something today that you've been afraid to do. Version one is better than version zero. Because version zero, you can't fix. Version one, you can. 
So if you've been sitting on a project or you know, you're trying to get a website done or you're trying to do something, just do it. Because nothing's final, everything's fluid. You can always make changes on the fly. I like that. Well said. Leo, where can people connect with you and find out more about the work you're doing? Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Leo Hefner. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, I haven't done a whole lot on Twitter. I'm working on that. Southbend7.com. It's number seven, Southbend with the number seven.com. Oh, you know what? You're going to have to have me back because there's stories there that I never wrapped up on. We didn't. The I, work, I, think, I, I know. I think we're going to we're going to do to be continued. And, and when your <laughs> when your book comes out, we'll have to pick up that story and, and hear the shocking conclusion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, and tell us the URL from that mastermind association as well. The mastermind. It's uh, the mastermind association dot com. Well, how about that? <laughs> Couldn't be any, any easier than that. Outstanding. Leo, I loved having you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Dr. Richard. I appreciate being here. and Thank you. I absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you as well who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard in our conversation, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for somebody else. We just talked about it even if you don't know who the person is, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. <laughs>